This is the Manly Things Podcast. This is Andrew Ross. And Justin Bush. And Seth Goodwin. And thanks for listening today to this episode, episode eight. Eight? I don't know. At some point, I'm going to lose track, and I'm just going to throw out numbers, whether it's right or wrong. It no, doesn't it is, matter. It is eight, because I, I, li- I had to listen to the last part of our last podcast to see how we ended it, and it was seven. So this is eight. Because you forgot which chapters we were going over this <laughs> I week? Did. Well, it's funny because, you know, I, I listened to the book, and so I just start listening, and I'm, I don't I have it on paper, so I can't look at, like, chapters. So, yeah, I had to ask you what chapters it was, and all of a sudden it hit me. I could just go back and listen to our last podcast and yeah, see there you what go. chapter we did. Check that out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we have a guest with us, this second guest on Manly Things Podcast History. Yep, making history here. So... This is our guest, Mr. Seth Goodwin, and Seth and I have been friends since we were, I don't know, elementary school, and uh, he actually lives out in Montana now and came home for the week, uh, first time home in like a year and a half. And yeah, almost uh, two years now. Almost two years. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> I think you're the first person I've ever met from Montana. Uh, it's yeah, I know. You know, I can't really claim to be <laughs> from Montana. Uh, <laughs> I That's live true. there now, but they get a little, little weird. You know, if you claim that you're from Montana and you're not originally from there, there's a very strong local pride, um, and some people don't fit that bill. And I like to think I kind of do. Hopefully, <laughs> maybe they'll Since let me it's not really from Montana, <laughs> but if you ask him, he'll say he is, and they'll they may be okay with it because yeah, you're like hopefully. a Montanian. I like to think I'm earning that title there you your, go. Mon- your montana your montana card resident card there. oh i'm, I'm a resident now. at least Driver's i know people license, live there so. now yeah yeah <laughs> there's there's life in montana that's good so this is exciting because one i've not seen seth in forever but two this is a quick intro story here uh seth actually you, all of you listeners are in luck because years ago we had uh in high school we had this football preview or whatever, and it was on the radio station. We were in the MOAC. And so Seth was in high school. He was more of the quiet guy in the class. So in class, Seth didn't say much. He wasn't, you know, the big uh, get up and give a huge speech in front of everyone. I mean, he would be vocal. He was the middle linebacker He or Sam linebacker. He made all the calls for the defense and, and was vocal, but that wasn't, you know, his – personality so we get on this radio show and it's they take like three or four seniors and they ask questions and i'm more of probably the speaker of i like getting in front of people i like talking well i got up there and got in front of the microphone and i just went uh, and i was stumbling all over my words and then seth gets up there and it's like this dude is a radio like (laughs) phenom like it was ridiculous yeah it was because you know growing up i always just wanted to be on the radio you know call some football games or something even though i never talked to anybody just you know <laughs> just want to be up in the press box by myself talking i i could see seth playing playing madden or ncaa being his own commentator oh, as he's sure. playing <laughs> turn down the volume and make up my own stuff watching espn mute it yep. i got this <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so you got you listeners are in luck. Seth's made for this. There we go. There we go. Well, Seth, we're glad to have you on. Thank you. So what is new? Well, Andrew, why don't you tell us first what's new in your oh, life? Man. Well, 
some people know, uh, mainly things podcasts may not know, that my wife, Samantha, is pregnant. Uh, so that's the first thing that's new. So that's exciting. Uh, gonna ha- oh, I'll get to that here in a second because I can't say going to have a child. Uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we went in for the first ultrasound. And it's funny, we're sitting there. We have one, Judah. He's a two-year-old boy. And I was like, hey, this could be the last time we do this. And she's like, no, I want three. And in my mind, I was really thinking, I could really probably be fine with just two. And uh, the lady comes in and she's going to start the ultrasound. And just jokingly, I say, well, all right, let's see how many are in there. And literally nonchalantly, she's like, like a couple seconds after, oh, there's two in here. And we just kind of laughed. She said, no, there's two babies <laughs> in here. And I can't tell, I, I probably got out of the chair the fastest I've ever stood up out of a chair. And I think we just laugh. So, yes, Sam is pregnant with twins. Congratulations. <laughs> we're going to be at three kids a lot closer. to. We're, we're both going to be at three kids yeah. a whole lot closer than what we thought. Huh? We're just do, we're doing it a lot faster than you did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have fun with that, man. Well, it's funny because we left the, the hospital and we got into our Ford Escape. And as soon as I got in, I'm like, we can't drive this anymore. Like next year, we can't have like small vehicles anymore. Like yep. that's it. Like we went from a family of three to five. Now we need minivans or, you know, I have a Tahoe, but yeah. You look really good in a minivan, Andrew. <laughs> I can see you driving a minivan. I see myself as more like the big like Chevy Astro van kind of guy right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All wheel drive Chevy Astro van 4.3. So that is super exciting. I'm su- we're super happy for you guys and it is super exciting. And I also am super excited for the all the laughs that I'm going to get to have on your dime and mm. <laughs> watching you struggle well, with two babies at once. That's the thing is when she got pregnant, we were like, okay, we already had one with Judah. I would stay up till midnight and do a midnight feeding then go to bed. Sam would wake up at 4 a.m. And we were actually talking about this on the way to the hospital. I'm like, now we're both just going to be up at 12, at 4, at 6. Like, unless I, I, I may try to come up with them making some contraption to be able to feed two babies at one time. I don't know. <laughs> I was, I'm just thinking, I know a way you, that can happen. Well, it's, uh, if you've seen Meet the Fockers, you know, I, think, I don't remember yeah, what yes, it is, but yeah. he's got the, the fake, you know, yes. <laughs> way to feed it so you can just put two on there. That's there perfect. you go. Just let it go. No, well then. I'd be like, oh, sorry, honey. You're the one that's got to wake up with them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so one thing that's that's new in the Bush house is we've started soccer. Uh, I know last podcast I said I was going to be coaching. Well, we've had two games thus far into this massive soccer season of three to five-year-olds. And uh, the first game we had about – we have ten kids on the team. We had about four, sometimes five, stay on the field um, for the entire entirety of the game. And we also had this past time, we had about six to seven stay on the field for most of the game. So we are progressively getting better at staying on the field. Not so much progressively getting better at kicking the ball in the goal except for like one, one kid. Uh, but... But we are progressively getting better, and it, it will get better. But, man, I'm telling you what, it is like wrangling cats. And to do a practice with a bunch of three-year-olds, everything's got to be Simon Says. So 
we were warm up. Simon says, chase me. And I'm running around this field and, <laughs> and realizing how out of shape I'm in and, and stop and breathing. And uh, all right, Simon says, touch your toes. And then I realize I'm really breathing. I'm like, <sighs> Simon <sighs> says, <laughs> spread your legs. <laughs> it's a stretching takes a while for me to catch my breath back up. And then uh, we do some drills, but it's it's going. I mean, it's cat wrangling yeah. at its best and watching a little beehive run around the field. That's my favorite thing about little kids soccer is like there's no offense and defense. It's everyone chase the ball. It's just a big group of kids just running around the field, kicking the ball, kicking each other's shins and stuff like that. So have you ever seen Kicking and Screaming, the movie with Will Ferrell? I've seen it not recently. Oh, man. Too, it's too long ago to remember. It's, it's a good movie, right, yeah. Seth? I can picture Justin like getting into being really a serious soccer <laughs> soccer coach out of nowhere. No, <laughs> I don't see that ever. <laughs> I don't see that ever. But yeah, it's fun. It's kind of fun. Seth, did you play any sport? Well, you played football. Yeah. Right? Yep. So did you play anything else besides football? I uh, played baseball growing up in high school with Justin too. I, for a while, we were on different teams, and I think he felt bad because we always beat him. Yeah. You know, always run ruled his team. All uh, those little league teams. <laughs> yeah. I've seen I've seen him play softball, so I understand. Yeah. Although I can't speak much better because he's better than me. But no, I'm, I get it. I am horrible now. I was <laughs> decent then. <laughs> But yeah. and then retired Division three athlete, you know, no, no big deal here. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to, need to plug that for everybody. Yeah, Seth <laughs> went to the College of Worcester and played football. <laughs> Is this a legit thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he played football at Worcester. So it's called the College of Worcester? Yeah. yeah. Division three football. Yeah. So how uh, many years did you play? All four. You know, okay. Cal for short, College of Worcester, Cal, you know. Uh, it's totally If you say it fast enough, people may think you're saying Cal as in University of California. Oh, uh, no, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a buddy who, uh, uh, he went to Boone County High School in Northern Kentucky is where I grew up. Okay. And it's actually the same school that Sean Alexander played football. Okay. Uh, he came a little bit later after him, but he he's a big dude. Yeah. Um, went to Eastern Kentucky University for football. And he said, like, within, like, the first couple practices, like, he had two concussions. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's not worth it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to go to the NFL. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. And, like, he, st- he didn't play anymore after that. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I think I went blind, like, three times in college. Oh, so, man. no big deal. Yeah, Seth's familiar with concussions. Yeah, we've been around the block a few times. <laughs> We're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, actually, Seth and I, we played – so, we played baseball together, baseball and football together. He didn't do basketball. Uh, and and for good reason yeah. because Seth wanted to tackle people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Seth was that kid on the basketball team that would ta- tackle, uh, grab them as they're layup going up for a layup. Tackle, and that's when I think sixth grade was the last time he played, and and he realized, you know, I'd rather just tackle people. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you play basketball, Justin? Wait, 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 wait. I was on the team. I didn't play <laughs> well. <laughs> like, is it you or your brother who had the mad hops? Because I remember one Dude, of you. My my brother was like, I don't know how, how much he weighed in high school, but he could jump, like box jump and and like get rim ridiculous for his weight and size as a high school senior. <laughs> it was ridiculous. No, I never had mad hops. No. Yeah, I, I played basketball in the, uh, in the middle school, but. It was mainly baseball after that. Yeah. Well, baseball, we played actually. 
our freshman year, we were fortunate enough to get to play varsity, and we uh, were playing a game at Bill Davis Stadium, the Ohio State Buckeye Stadium. And Seth's sister was down there at the time uh, in grad school, I think. Yeah. And so we went, uh, played the game, and then she picked us up. So we didn't get to come. We didn't come home. We hung out with her uh, that night and that weekend. And she was going to drive us back the next day. And so, like, we wake up and, like, we had already, like, made this pack that we were going to buy a Crave case. And, you know, that was the thing, especially in high school, like, let's let's get a Crave case. Let's get White Castle. (laughs) And so we uh, wake up the next morning and, like, his sister, like, made this awesome breakfast for us. Like, we were not expecting this. We were expecting, you know, we're just going to wake up, go home, get a Crave case and eat it. So we pigged out on this massive breakfast. And then on the way home, we decided, you know what? We wanted to get a Crave case. Let's go ahead and do it. And it's still only like 1030 in the yeah, morning. It's 1030. Maybe, maybe <laughs> 11. <laughs> yeah. Is that, I'll let you take over from here. <laughs> oh, I don't even know where to go. Uh, so we get this Crave case and we're driving north on 71 somewhere. Yeah, we were on 61. Or were we on 61? Okay. We're on 61. And at this point, I feel like I've eaten at least 15 of the 30 that are in this Crave case. And Justin's had probably, I don't know, like four, five, six. <laughs> And our buddy, uh, he'd maybe eaten three. Uh, but at that point, I was just like overloaded. And I took a bite and just knew if I swallowed it, like it was not going to be good. Like there was going to be White Castle all over the front windshield. So I spit it out the window. And our buddy just saw that and thought that I threw up. So he immediately <laughs> turns around and throws up. But oh, he man. doesn't do it out the window. <laughs> He does it into a bag, and it goes through the bag, oh, and then no. onto the whole back seat, the <laughs> container of White Castle, the speakers of my sister's car. <laughs> yeah, I think there were onions in the speakers of her car in the back seat for years afterwards. I can imagine like just leaving a White Castle in your car, how bad it would smell. Then just the vomit of White Castle <laughs> in your car and how bad <laughs> that could smell. Me as a spectator, it was hilarious because Seth gags pretty easily too. Yeah. So Seth started it by spitting out, which made Sean, our friend, gag and throw up. And then he starts throwing up, tries to throw up out the window after he puked through the bag. And it like the vacuum effect goes out the window and like come back in on his face oh my gosh. and which just makes Seth start gagging more so Seth's up in the, in the front seat going yeah because I'm the type of guy like if you make me laugh hard enough I'll throw up oh, so. man. oh man that was that was a funny time we were talking about that at dinner and I was laughing so hard just sitting there remembering that oh man all right. I wish there was a White Castles around here. Well, there's one within like 45 minutes, but Delaware, Delaware, Delaware. Yes, I think that's they still have scoped out. Yeah, <laughs> I see <laughs> like the one we stopped at. Growing up, we'd always just go to the Reds games, which you know, baseball season. Reds are actually doing okay. But growing up in Cincinnati, we'd always go to go to Reds games during the week because we could find tickets for like five bucks, like on a weeknight, like an hour before the game. We'd go in and we'd sit at a dollar hot dog stand and eat like two hot dogs, a bag of peanuts, and a drink. So for under 10 bucks, you got the game and some food. 
Well, the game would get out between like 9 and 10. We'd go across the river to Covington, Kentucky, and there was always a White Castle, and that was the only thing open. And we had to drive down Route 3 to get home. We'd always just get a huge sack of cheeseburgers and onion petals was the <laughs> move. And we would just down that stuff. And so, yeah, it brings back some good memories, good old White Castles. White Castle was the thing in, in, in high school for us. For some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, well, there's some <laughs> other bad stories with that. But, but anyway, tonight on the podcast, what we really wanted to do was we actually just kind of wanted to talk and have a conversation i know we were doing we're doing the tool series sorry we said we'd do like three we will but you know seth's in town we have to take advantage of this because seth moved out to montana and we kind of want to just talk to him pick his brain hear about some of the cool things that's out there and that he's done and just a lot of outdoors stuff and activities which you know if you've been listening to the podcast you would know that you know this is something that, um, especially in our six five portion, there's something about being out in nature, and also being like closer to God. And there's something about being out in the wilderness. And there's a reason why uh, Jesus went out into the wilderness for forty days. And there's something to it. And so this is just a cool conversation that we're going to have hearing about stuff that we don't get to really experience or see here in Ohio, but. Uh, with his perspectives, things that he's he's been able to see and experience out out west. So, with that, Seth, where are you? Where have you lived for the last year, and where did you just move to? Uh, so when I first moved out west, I lived in Missoula, Montana. Uh, it's about a hundred thousand people, and it's one of the biggest cities in Montana. Uh, <laughs> I like it. You know, so it's not super big. It's small. It still has that small town feel, like the biggest buildings maybe like 10 stories tall if that um and then i just moved to helena montana which is the capital uh and it's only about i think thirty thousand people so about the size of worcester roughly oh wow yeah. yeah so how did you hear about this like how did you get to montana doing this job oh uh, where do you want me to start <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a long story uh no like in college you know senior year especially i was just kind of like sitting in my dorm room mm-hmm. and i'm like I think it'd be pretty cool to go out west. You know, I just really want to go out west. And uh, it kind of just became this dream. And I'd, like, look stuff up and watch videos and see stuff. Um, and I just never really did anything. Stuff kept getting in the way, you know. Different things would happen. You know, I'd think about it, like, look at a few jobs and just never do anything. Um, and then there was, like, one point where I was just, like, really, really down low, you know. Just, like, yeah. didn't feel great. Um, and I was like, why not just start looking? Yeah. Um, and found a couple of jobs. I was like, I'm just going to apply to it. You know, you never, you're not going to do anything if you never even take the chance. Yeah. Um, so I took chance, surprisingly got a call back on a job, got the inner and like, I had actually forgot I applied to the job cause it was like two months <laughs> in between when I applied to when they called me and we do a phone interview cause they wanted to do like zoom. But I was like, I don't even have zoom on my laptop. My laptop's like 10 years old. Yeah. Um, so we do this phone call and like immediately after I'm like, Oh, well, they're not going to call me back. Like that went terribly. (laughs) And the next day they call and they're like, yeah, the job's yours if you want it. And I didn't even say like, give me time to think about it or anything. I was just like, okay, like, all right, I'll see you there. And it was like a month later and I was driving out to Montana. That's awesome. Uh, mind you, it was like a $10,000 pay cut and my cost of living went up, but you know, I didn't even think about that stuff (laughs) when I went for it. So 
you figure all of that stuff out on the yeah, fly, man. Exactly. That stuff just, just kind of went for it. Lifestyle, you know, yeah. you just figure out your lifestyle. But that's that's cool. <laughs> I think I can just imagine getting a phone call and being like, "Oh yeah, yeah, totally excited about this." <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I've been waiting for this phone call. Yeah, no. <laughs> It was a long time coming and yeah, you know, I just never thought it would actually happen. So when you got that chance, that opportunity, I was like, well, if I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. Yep. So, yeah, that's awesome. It's a, it's a cool thing too of, you know, we've been talking a lot about just do something like just get out there, try something, do something, do something crazy. And that was kind of the thing for you is like, this is not a comfortable normal thing was not a comfortable normal thing i mean your family's here in ohio yeah. you, you knew no one pretty much didn't know a single out person there. yeah my sister knew someone out there and they were like the first person i met but i'd never met them before in my life so i didn't know a single person going yeah. into it um so that was you know intimidating um but yeah you know i think there's that line where comfort meets this wall and like you can do something or you can't do it mm-hmm. and it's kind of like beyond that boundary you can either push yourself past it and you know it could turn out great or it's not going to turn out well at all but you're never going to know if you don't go past that and sometimes it turns out to be something really really good so yeah yeah and i like it i know for me like (laughs) what the the benefits i reap from it i mean it kind of stinks because you're so far away and i've not seen you for like two years but but you send me awesome pictures Oh, and they don't even do it justice. I mean, the pictures look nothing like what it really looks like. And and they can be like, so Seth will send me pictures and one set of pictures from one weekend will be like a certain type of terrain, like green forest, rivers, and then he'll send me another picture and it's just like these mountains that almost look like they're bare. And it's like just one weekend to the next weekend and I don't know how far you're driving to see the difference in terrain, but I mean, you were even telling me tonight, like there's a difference between Missoula and Helena and they're like two hours. What? Yeah. Like so Helena is about two hours east of Missoula. Uh, I think you're kind of up in that Pacific Northwest. So you kind of get a little bit of that like rainforest feel, you know, big mm-hmm. forest. Um, but then like over by oh. Helena, it seems like it's a lot more arid. Like I saw a cactus on the hike the other day and I'm like, in my, I'm in Montana. Like what's <laughs> this cactus doing here? Um, but you know, it just really depends which direction you go to. You're going to just see all kinds of stuff. Cause I mean, up by glacier, it's just a whole different world. Yeah. So yeah, the only, like I, the, the closest I've been to Montana was, uh, Washington okay. uh, state, the wa- so Washington state. Um, so my wife's dad and stepmom live on Vashon Island, okay, which is an Island outside of Seattle. So you gotta like drive. You gotta get on a ferry to go out to get to there. It. Yeah. But man, we did some hikes out there, and it's like the what I would say woods in Kentucky, and like what we like hike through there. Like the difference in tree size, and yeah. like, uh, do they have nettle there in Montana? Stinging um, nettle? Yeah, I'm sure they do. Okay, so I didn't know about the stinging nettle stuff until I was there. We we're hiking. I had shorts on. They're like, hey, shorts are fine, but just be ready. <laughs> All of a sudden, I just felt something prick me. It's like it's this. It looks like almost like a, a leafy. They're here, man. Is yeah, it? I was gonna They're say here. I've gotten into a bunch. Oh, of see, yeah, I had no too. idea. Yeah. but then my leg was numb for the rest of the fun. day. It stinks. Yeah. But burns the difference at the same time. The difference is awesome. Um, so I can only imagine just living there and actually getting to see some of that stuff. Yeah. So Seth, what I know, I know of a few of the cool things you've done. I'll let. You, I don't want. I want you to tell me what are the 
top two or three coolest things and you can go into detail about like what those are. I know in my mind the two things that I want to ask you about, but I want you to go first and see if you say one of them. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's a whole list, you know, because uh, it's always been like a big thing of mine is even if I didn't have anybody to go with, I was going to go do something, mm-hmm. uh, even if it was just go for a hike or just go for a drive. Uh, but probably three of the biggest things that I've done or that I think have been really cool is uh, I know some people who've got a cabin up by Canada, uh, really close to the border, and it's just outside of Glacier National Park. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a completely different world. Uh, but snowmobiling up there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just send it. Trails. Yeah. You know, climbed half of a mountain, and that was good for me. Um, and then there's been some really cool hikes. Uh, there's one I messed up my truck just getting to the trailhead, uh, but it was totally worth it. Uh, just I mean, the views you see and just being out there. Um, what other... What when, you say, when you say climb a mountain, because I want to ask, yeah. are you talking mountain climbing like you had ropes and stuff? Or oh, are you talking no, more like... No, just like hiking. Hiking up, okay. Yeah, I mean... I was like, man, how hardcore is this guy? I want to <laughs> know real quick. No, there's some areas where you could definitely get into that. or um, You know, there's this one really... It's the most prominent peak in the Missoula Valley. And I remember driving out there, and as soon as you... So you come in... Coming into Missoula, you're on the highway, and there's, like, mountains on either side of you, and you can't mm-hmm. see anything, and then it just opens up, and you see the entire town and the whole valley. And, like, off in the distance on the western side, you just see this really, like, pointy peak, and it's the most prominent peak in the whole Missoula Valley. Yeah. And it's got a couple different names. Um, but, like, driving in that day, I was like, I want to be on top of that mountain. Like, I don't even know what it's going to take. I don't know how high that thing <laughs> is, but eventually I'm going to get up there. Yeah. Uh, so this past summer I actually went up there and it's not, it doesn't, it's not as crazy as it looks from driving in, you know, you can drive into a trailhead. Um, but like you get up to where you start going up the peak and it's just rocks, yeah, just huge boulders that you've got to climb up and over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not too crazy, but you can definitely get yourself in a mess pretty quick out there <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. yeah. I know, uh, when you were snowmobiling, you sent me some videos of a, and a picture uh, two, I know the video you sent, you were like going up this mountain yeah, and then coming down. I don't know how fast you were going. <laughs> Felt like I was going 60, <laughs> but I have no idea. Dude, <laughs> it, it may have only been like 30 mile an hour. And, uh, and then you hit a jump and overshot something. What? what yeah. So, uh, we'd actually been out there earlier that year in the summer and we were working on this guy's house and, you know, just kind of taking the UTVs around, going up and down these roads, and you could go to some of these lakes that are back there. Um, and then fast forward to this winter, we're riding snowmobiles, and I'm looking around, I'm like, that mountain looks familiar. That mountain looks familiar. And then it clicks. I'm like, oh, I'm riding across the lake that we were floating on just a couple months ago. Like, wow. there, I mean, I don't know how deep that lake is, but just covered in ice and like three or four feet of snow that's just flying everywhere. Um but yeah, climbed up that mountain, came back down. I was like one of the last ones to do it because that, that whole winter was like really high avalanche warnings and ratings. There were avalanches everywhere. So I was like a little sketched out about it. Um, but once some other people did it, I was like, okay, I can do it. <laughs> so climb up and it wasn't, I mean, for me, it was pretty, pretty good climb. Uh, and then came down and we were just kind of doing donuts out there on the ice and to get off the lake, you kind of had to go up and over this embankment onto this Forest Service road. 
And like the one guy went, he did it. So I was like, I'm just following him. I was like hitting it with the gas and I apparently went a lot faster than I needed to <laughs> and came up and over. And I thought I was just going to come down and land on the forest service road and stop. And I pretty much cleared it and went into the side of the mountain. <laughs> uh, and it's not my snowmobile. It was that guy's. So I was like immediately terrified that I just wrecked his snowmobile and was going to be on the hook for it. But it was perfectly okay. We just pulled it out with a toe strap and we were good to go. I remember I was like, did it, how many other people wrecked? He's like, uh, no, it was, it was just it me. Was just, <laughs> it was just me. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember you also were telling Here's me. He's a new guy. Right. Yeah, and that was the first time I've ever been on a snowmobile, too. And I'm <laughs> climbing a mountain and doing all that stuff. So, yeah. I like it. So, you also said something about you were, like, going and, like, snow would, like, fall away. Like, on, was it, like, a cliff or Oh, so, something? yeah, the second day we were out there, we were trying to get to the top of a ski resort from the backside. You could take some of these old logging roads um, that they ride snowmobiles on in the winter. And you can get up to the top. Uh, and there's, like, a lodge up there for all the skiers and everything. But coming up the backside, there's no no snowboarding or skiing but you can get up there on a snowmobile and we were it was probably like i don't even know how long of a trip it was but we were up there and all of a sudden it just gets socked in and you can't see three feet in front of you you couldn't see anything and on one edge is just like straight down like there's nothing below you if you go over the edge you're just gonna roll and they're probably not gonna find you until who knows when summertime possibly (laughs) fall out in summertime (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean they'd at least know where to look for you so maybe they'd find you on a nice day but if not you're just gonna be hanging out till spring um and on the the upslope of it you know it's just like barren like you can tell avalanches have been through there before burns and different things and you can just see this like three foot thick slab of snow and ice and you can see all the different layers from all the snows. And, like, usually that's what you're looking at when you dig a pit for, like, avalanche testing mm-hmm. when you're out in the backcountry. And it was terrifying because you're like, that could go at any second. Like, I mean, with the way the weather was out there that year. And then you can add on top of it, you can only see about three feet in front of you. And then it's socked in. Your goggles are icing over. I'm driving with one hand trying to scratch the ice off the other side so that way I can see and at one point, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to hit the gas and hope that this is the right way because <laughs> I couldn't see a thing. Uh, and the person behind me couldn't see anything either because they ended up running into me and breaking the taillight on the snowmobile. Uh, but we didn't make it up there because it just got too too dangerous. We had to turn around. But yeah. yeah. So it's not like not only can I go off the side of this mountain on the snowmobile, but also this pile of snow to my other side could also fall on top of me yeah. right now. It's without so warning. <laughs> without warning. Man. Multiple ways I could die yeah. quickly. Yeah. But yeah. luckily we all had like the avalanche beacons and we all had probes and everything right. and helmets on. So it was good. We yeah. were prepared, but yeah, it would not have been fun. That's cool. That's a world I can't even think about, but I would like to try sometime go out there and just just see it and it well kind of reminds me you know i I lived out west but it's a very different west i lived in the southwest for a while in uh tucson and uh we used to go up to tucson surrounded by four mountain ranges okay and there was one called uh oh gosh what it's called swore east um you go up we take our trucks and uh we there's gun ranges there's wild horses (laughs) and uh we would go up there and we would like drift around corners and like if you fell off you just you know you'd be done and uh but we were 16 when we did that but it was good <laughs> times <laughs> i can't imagine doing that with snow and ice and everything yeah. else yeah i uh 
Seth's always like, you should come out. You should come out. And I someday I will. Someday when I'm done having babies <laughs> and all that stuff, I will. But one thing that makes me nervous is the bears and the potential mountain lions <laughs> because it's not like, you know, going to uh, the Smoky Mountains and going through Cades Cove and, you know, you see some black bears that are close. Like, these are full-on grizzlies, man grizzly bears. <laughs> Like, now, when you go out, are you, I mean, are you taking a gun with you and stuff for, like, for protection? Uh, for when, when I first moved out there, I didn't have anything. Yeah. Uh, and there's a story behind that. <laughs> there's a story where uh, I learned that, you know, I needed to get something to start carrying with me. Uh, but for the first few months, I didn't have anything. And then, you know, now I carry bear spray every time I go out. Yeah. And then I also carry a pistol, too. Yeah. Um, it's not going to do a whole lot if a grizzly bear really wants to eat me, but it's a little deterrent, I guess. Um, but most of the time, I think that bear spray really works for people, it sounds like, and it's a good deterrent. It just depends on the situation. Because yeah. most of the time, it sounds like those interactions are when you really surprise them where they've got cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they want to eat you, uh, <laughs> there's not a whole if lot. they're hungry. Can, yeah, if they're hungry, I don't know what to tell you. It's the revenant all over yeah. again. Oh, man. I just, I just know, like, at like what the trailhead sometimes there's signs or something say like last when the last bear sighting was oh yeah like like if they've got a bear in the area they'll post like bear in the area and they've all got be bear aware signs everywhere and like carry your bear spray you know put your food away correctly if you're carrying food you know hang it in the tree or put it in bear boxes you know you just gotta do the right thing um because if you don't then you're really asking for trouble yeah you know? i'm not asking for trouble man <laughs> <laughs> now do they hunt grizzlies up there's like their uh, bear no, hunting season you can't hunt grizzly but you can hunt black bear so black bear season actually just started a week ago i think okay. and i'm not sure exactly how long it runs but it runs at the same time as spring turkey season okay which we just opened up spring turkey season because i think one yeah. of the teens and i are gonna go it's a lot. That's a big difference from hunting black bear turkeys yeah. and uh, black bear. Yeah. But my yeah. dream hunt is all is I've always wanted to go bear hunting. Uh, it's you know last yeah last spring I guess I went fishing one day and I was talking to this other guy and he'd been out black bear hunting and he was looking for a specific bear that he'd seen on cameras. It was a cinnamon <laughs> black bear, you know, so it had yeah. that brown color phase. Yeah. And he's like, well, I didn't see it today, but I saw thirteen other black bears. I was like, one's plenty for me. I don't want to <laughs> see any of them. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. Especially when you're fishing. Yeah. Now, I know you went someplace, too. I remember you telling me about it. It was like a ghost town. Um, and you can talk a little. I don't even know if it's worth talking about or not, but I thought this sounded cool. So in my mind, when you said, hey, I'm going to a ghost town, my mind went outlaw Josie Wales, <laughs> you know, that that town that he goes in. It's like run down. I think it's just the saloon that's that's open or whatever. Like in my mind, that's what I'm picturing, but it's more touristy than what I thought, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, there's quite a few ghost towns around Montana, uh, and some of them are a little more touristy than others, and some of the other ones just are just kind of hanging out there, and you can go into them. Uh, but this one's at the top of a mountain. It used to be an old mining town, and it was pretty popular at one time, I guess. Uh, they had all kinds of buildings, a timber mill, like a mine going on. 
Um, and then there was a forest fire. I can't remember what year it was, but it just completely decimated the town. And after that, everybody moved away. Mm -hmm. There was only like 10 people living there. And then like, as the years went on, everybody just left. Yeah. And I think there's, I mean, there's still cabins up there and you can actually go up and like stay in two of them. You can rent them out for the night for like 30 bucks. Um, and, but you can go in the old buildings, like you can go, go in the tavern. I think they had like three bars in this town and it wasn't very big. And then the jail, all these buildings, um, in the summertime, it's pretty cool. And they've got like a park ranger up there. And there's actually a guy who grew up in that town still owns the cabin his family lived in and he goes up there and stays. And I think he's like 90 years old now and he still tries to go up at least once a year that's and crazy. Like stay that's in his cool. family's ca cabin. So that's I, uh, cool. I saw like this documentary not long ago documenting this ghost town. It was a mining camp and I think one might have been in Montana, but th they say they're so eerie, especially for some of them, um, because what would happen is, man, when they ran out of gold, they were quick to get out to get to the next place or else yeah. they'd be too late. So a lot of these ghost towns, uh, you'd go and you go into houses and it almost looked like, I remember watching this documentary, like there's plates and like food still on the still table still just out. left. Yeah. Cause like, it was like, all right, we're going. And like, we gotta be the first ones there. Yeah. This one's the, since it's kind of managed by the parks, uh, that one's not quite like that. They just kind of maintain the buildings. They don't, remodel them or anything they want them to just kind of go back to nature on their own so they try to maintain them so they're still standing and they can do stuff with them yeah uh, and then there's others where they've gone through and remodeled them or moved buildings around uh but there's some that are just they're just there from the day when pe everybody left just still standing there yeah general stores that still have yep. stuff on the shelves and you're like wow. it's almost like they disappeared it's like no because when they ran out of gold they knew the importance of getting to yeah. the next claim first. And it's kind of cool because in the winter, uh, the roads up there are shut down. So the only way you can get in is hiking, snowshoeing, snowmobiling, or cross-country skiing. And from the one side, it's 12 miles. So that's a pretty long cross-country <laughs> ski or snowshoe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like halfway up, there's this cabin some guy lived in back in the day. And it's like the warming hut. And there's still an old wood stove in there. So people will stop there and like build a fire just to get warm and keep that's going. Very cool. That's crazy. So, what else about Montana, Seth? <laughs> well, I don't even know where we're at tell on us, time either. Tell us. Well, I, I I forgot to set the timer tonight, so we're just. just I, wanna, I remember looking at the time when we started. It was eight twenty. It's almost nine o'clock now. Okay. Well, what was the other good. story you were thinking of? I was thinking snowmobiling, and I was thinking the ghost town. Yeah. But I heard fishing. What do you fish for up there? Uh, so I haven't done a lot of fishing up there. I've done some. Uh, but the big thing out there is the trout. Yep. A lot of fly fishing. That's what I figured. Which I've never done any fly fishing. I need to learn. It's pretty expensive to learn. <laughs> a guided trip is a hefty, hefty bill. Uh, but, you know, I've caught, I think, caught five or six lake trout on mm -hmm. Flathead Lake, which is a pretty nice lake. It's the biggest lake west of the Mississippi, I believe. Mm -hmm. um and it's it's gorgeous but i caught yeah five lake trout out there um i've got another buddy who goes uh ice fishing all the time and i really want to get into that this next winter and that would be do cool. some ice fishing catch a bunch of perch and all kinds of stuff up there yeah you can go ice fishing and then you can call jet and <laughs> tell him ice fishing stories because and yeah. the lake here in apple valley we'll go by in the winter and there'll be like tents people are ice fishing and just like what's that He's like, tell me an ice fishing story, Dad. I'm like, I don't have any. I was like, yeah. but uh, Clarissa's uncle, he he ice fishes. He lives out in Iowa. 
he ice fishes. I was like, when we see Uncle Garrett this this summer, you can have him. So now he'll be really excited if yeah. if Seth has ice fishing because Seth <laughs> and Jet became like best friends best tonight. Friends. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll work on my fishing stories for him. There you, know? you go. Did you guys bond over Fiesta? Oh, absolutely. Apparently. We were high-fiving over the queso pretty quick. <laughs> oh, man. I turn around. I, g- I go up to pay. I turn around, and, and Seth and Jet are holding hands, walking out of the fiesta. Yeah. <laughs> and then I asked ask Jet, I was like, all right, you got to hold someone's hand when you go outside. He's like, I'll hold Seth's. I'm like, okay. And then I guess on the way over to the church tonight, we had a small group, and uh, Jet tells Clarissa, he goes, I I love Seth. <laughs> it was like, all right, so Seth's his new n- new BFF. Yeah. yeah. See now, well, next winter you and Jet go out, and you guys can do some ice fishing. Yeah. Or come out in the summer. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. or spring. <laughs> we'll do what Jet out there in the winter time. <laughs> yeah, we'll so we'll see. If if I go out there, it's probably going to be a me go out there. That'll be that'll be a guy's time, not a. Not a family trip. Well, you do one trip with just you, and then you bring them back for the next trip. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Yeah, you got to go out there on your own, so that way you can do the things that Clarissa wouldn't tell you not to do if she was with you. Dude, like, I, I'm I'm super – I'm glad Seth's out there and experiencing this stuff, <laughs> and I'm going to have him, like, create, like, a safe meter <laughs> Like, what's the safest thing – <laughs> That's still fun to do, but see, I'm one of those guys. Like, I like a thrill. I, you know, if it, if I don't feel like I'm going to pee my pants just a little bit, then like it's not thrilling enough for me. But I also don't want to die. So I, there's there's a fine line of I want that thrill, but I also want to stay alive. So Seth's going to be in charge of of coming up with those activities. <laughs> see, a lot of things can kill you out there. That's the only thing. It could go from like really fun to really bad really fast, but. Most of the time, you're all right. I just need to work on my athletic endeavors. I mean, I can get you on like a scooter or a mountain bike going down a black diamond, you know, just cruising down a mountain. Yeah. Or we could float a river. Yeah. Uh, you know, on an inner tube. Yeah. That sounds more justice speed right there. Float. That sounds <laughs> good. Maybe get a little bit of a current going. There's yeah, a that's current. my speed, too. <laughs> it's nice and cold water, you know. Nice and that's thrilling. That's that's <laughs> thrilling. I don't know what it is about out west because I I've said the same thing. Like when I lived in Arizona, he said a lot of things can kill you. When I went to Arizona, it's like every time we went like on a hike through the mountains, and it's like we hear rattles, like oh that can kill you. Mountain lions, all oh, those can kill you. Gila <laughs> monsters, all oh, that can kill you. And all the vegetation, like don't get too close to that cactus. It's a jumping one, so if you get too close, <laughs> I'm like, who came here? And I was like, yes, let's live here. Yeah. It's hot. Everything can kill you. There's no water. It looks great. People who didn't want to be bothered. It's yeah, true. It's a lot of it. It's true. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And it is funny though because a lot of people out west, not west, east, always want to go out west. Yeah. Do people out west ever want? Because I never hear like, what's the allure to go to east? It's like, yeah, it's, it's hot and humid. Yeah. And it's freezing cold. Let's move <laughs> there. I was gonna say it seems like everybody in Montana when they retire they buy a house in Arizona, and I think it's just because it's out west still, but it's yeah. warm. You yeah. know, there's yeah. not as much snow. <laughs> Snowbirds, yeah, so man. Yeah. That's what we called them in Arizona. So snowbirds. they go south. They're going south as Arizona, whereas in Ohio, going, going south as Florida. Florida. Yeah. So, okay. That's interesting. That's where I learned the term snowbirds. Yeah. Because uh, summertime was dead. Wintertime, all the, we call them snowbirds. The retired people would come in and they'd 
live there through the winter time and golf was expensive and everything else but yeah what's your favorite thing or the biggest difference between where we grew up morrow county and where you're living now out there in montana oh i mean i've always loved the mountains you know i love snowboarding um so just having those mountains all around you is pretty epic you know when I was in Missoula, I mean, you can still do it in Helena, but it was like you walk out your door and depending on what you want to do that way, you just kind of spin in a circle and look at all the mountain ranges around you and see where the sun is or like what you're looking for. Because it was like, if you want to go to this spot today, oh, it's raining over there. I'll look south. What's going on down south? And it's like bright blue skies. You're like, all right, I'm going to go down the valley today and like go down there and do something. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the access. I mean, Montana, they've got tons of public land. Uh, and they really do a good job managing it. Um, so from my door, I could be out in the wilderness and away from everybody in like five or ten minutes, depending on which direction I went. And then you might not see anybody the rest of the day, depending on what you're doing. That's Le- cool. Let me ask you another important question. Coming, because it's all about food for me. Yeah. So Montana, <laughs> what's the food in Montana that you're like, if I came to visit, that I can only get there, that I have to try? Uh, Huckleberries. 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 That's the big Montana thing. That's a real thing. thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. Huckleberries. Uh, so the Huckleberries, it's like, it's the it's like dessert of Montana. It's a, okay. it's a berry. It's a little smaller than a blueberry, um, but they haven't figured out a way to like commercially grow them. So mm-hmm. the only way you can get them is going up on top of the mountain where they grow. They grow at high elevation, uh, and they're kind of like mushrooms where like nobody tells you where you find them at. So you've got to find the pocket of huckleberries, um, and then you don't tell anybody where you yeah. found them. Have you found any? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I found the mother load. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm so what do you do? Oh, says the <laughs> secret huckleberry man <laughs> I mean, it's in Montana. Probably, it's probably not a secret, but... He's <laughs> yeah. got a side hustle like where market. he's selling some huckleberries Oh, they'll sell the gallon bags of huckleberries at a farmer's market for 60 bucks <laughs> or more. A gallon wow. bag of berries. There you go, side hustle right there. Hustle. It's almost like uh, what do they do in the in Europe? Truffle hunting, truffle with truffle hunters. Yeah. yeah, don't they do some kind of a mushroom hunt here? Oh, morels, yeah, morels. buddy. Yeah, they've so. got those in Montana too. <laughs> there, there was <laughs> so growing up, like there were a lot of people. I mean, I like mushrooms. I like mushroom hunting. I think it's fun. I don't do it nearly very. I'll walk, you know, around when they should be coming. I'll walk behind the woods in the house to see if there's any. But I don't really go out. But there's a lot of people who do. Yeah. And I remember growing up, like, we would <laughs> we would make fun of, like, we had some teachers and stuff that were really <laughs> into it. And I love them. They're awesome. But uh, we'd, like, I'm sneaking up on this here. Morel. <laughs> going to go. Got to find that morel. We're going to see if we can't go find one and, and pick it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it was like, you know, mushroom hunting. And we talk about hunting mushrooms is stupid sorry no the huckleberries are great though what do you what do you do with huckleberries like if you you can do anything you want with them so it's really like blueberries or raspberries we can make pies or jams make pies they put them in drinks they make huckleberry vodka they make huckleberry beer everything uh you know i've got a bunch in my freezer still from last year they're actually almost gone the Um, vodka or the huckleberries (laughs) both (laughs) 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 Uh, but you know you can put them on anything you can make jams out of them they put it in chocolate they make smoothies out of them there's this rest stop on the highway going west out of missoula and it's like the world famous huckleberry milkshake and they're they're pretty good uh, but the only thing with those is the bears love them too and i know you keep talking about like these bears i haven't seen a single bear yet 
just to you know let everybody knock know. On We're I'm knocking sure on wood. Yeah, I'm, I'm knocking on wood right I, now. <laughs> I'm sure I've been a lot closer to a bear than I'd like to know. You know, like I've seen sign, but I just haven't seen a bear. I'm sure they've yeah, seen you. Me. Haven't seen them. Yeah, they've but seen they've me. seen you. <laughs> uh, but that's the only thing is the bears like huckleberries, and it's uh, kind of in the the summertime when they're all out on the side of the mountain eating everything. So that's the only thing about yeah. You yeah. gotta fight the bears for the huckleberries, which huckleberries. they're they're worth it. I'd fight a bear for some huckleberries. <laughs> yeah, I right. My, okay. I fought a bear with my bear I've hands. been to the Columbus Zoo. I know how big grizzly bears well, are. <laughs> so in uh Jackson, Wyoming, you didn't get to go with us on that trip since you don't snowboard after your traumatic experience. <laughs> yeah, that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> but in one of the bars in Jackson, Wyoming, there's a grizzly bear in a case that's stuffed and there's a plaque on it. And this guy back in the day got in a fight with this grizzly bear and he killed it by biting its jugular vein with its oh, with his teeth. Man. And that's how he killed it. So, you know. Talk about manly things. I was going to say yeah. Our next guest. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, Seth, do you have anything you want to add as we close this segment and move into our 6-5 segment? Oh, uh, it's up to you guys. I could talk for hours. So if you want more stories, you just tell me. I feel yeah. like maybe we should every once in a while just have a, a call in from Seth. We can do that. You can just be yeah. a reoccurring call, call in. in. <laughs> Even just in the middle, like. Yeah. Hey, Seth's got a story where he finally had an encounter with a bear or something like that. Dude, that would be awesome. We yeah. will have to we'll we will do some more stuff, uh, especially as we talk outdoor stuff, because I'm sure at some point we'll do something hiking, camping, outdoorsy thing segments yeah. in three podcast series. But with the uh, with the tools, uh, you know, we actually have we actually have an inside <laughs> scoop here. Because uh, Seth, Seth's uh, side job for a while for something extra to do was some woodworking. Don't claim to be a professional by any means. <laughs> some woodworking. He's he's done some woodworking. He built a table, a pretty cool farm table. Two of them. Two, Two tables. Of them. Two, Two tables. tables. Get, it right. Get it right, Justin. What are some of the other projects that you've done? Uh, you know, just the typical like cutting board type stuff, uh, some other small projects. Um, you know, it's like I'd get a good idea and I'd try it out and it'd just go terribly. So I'm like, uh, let's try something different. And for some reason, making big eight foot long farm tables seemed to work out pretty well. <laughs> I don't know how or why, but it was like some of those smaller projects just didn't go the way I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, made a couple coffee tables, like, uh, made myself like a little bar top table, um, uh, my mom had this old like Singer sewing machine. Uh, probably, people probably don't even know what that is, uh, but it was this really old sewing machine, like foot operated, and it was kind of rusting away. So I refurbished it and put a new top on it with uh, some walnut and oak. I think is what I used. Put cool. those together and kind of made a design and put a nice top on it. So yeah, cool. cool. What I've always loved about working with wood, my papal is an awesome woodworker. I try to do some, is that. If you make a mistake, wood's so much more forgiving than anything else. You can always, like, you know, even things out, do yeah. things where it's like if you're working with metal or, like, you make a mistake, it's like throw it Start away. Over. Wood, it's like, oh, okay, well, now it's going to be this size <laughs> or <laughs> something like that. Well, that's I always took the viewpoint that if somebody's looking that closely at it, they don't need to be looking at it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, so actually, he also worked at Home Depot for a while. He's our power tool <laughs> guru and, all the, <laughs> and earlier today we were talking he's like 
yeah, those power tools that everyone wants to buy, he's like, they're all damaged because all those boxes just get thrown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but handle with care does not mean we handle it with care. No, not at all. That's a suggestion. <laughs> things, yeah. yeah, things are dropped many times, and yeah. But well, thanks, Seth, for yeah. this segment, and we appreciate having you on. And feel free to jump in with any of your thoughts or anything as we get into the six five. All right. So, with that being said, it is time for the six five. Six five. There we go. So, this week we did chapters five and six, six and seven, six and seven, six and seven. Don't worry. And uh, I'm going to kind of lead the discussion on chapter six tonight. Uh, Justin will talk about chapter seven. We'll move through this. Um, it's funny. Chapter six starts talking a lot with uh, Andrew Jackson. And uh, I've always loved Andrew Jackson, but the 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 chapter is called what's it called? Born for the storm, and it's this whole idea uh, talking about Andrew Jackson and how he was really into dueling, like pistols. Like he owned, I forget how many pistols. It's thirty-seven or something. I thirty-seven. Think. I'm like, can you imagine living in the time when it's like you settled things with shooting each other, like in a duel? He was in like thirty or more duels. And he won them all, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> well, who knows? He may have a couple of scars. Yeah. But this whole idea of Born for the Storm, that Andrew Jackson, he he loved to live for those in-the-trench moments. Um, that for him to be a leader is like, I want to be in those moments where things are hectic, uh, things are going kind of berserk or whatever you would say. Um, but then the, the way the book put it is the, um, what is it called? The uh, it's called the s- sixth, uh, sixth attribute. <laughs> is it what is it called now? Attribute. Uh, sixth. <laughs> I can't remember what they say, but the sixth one is called. It's basically uh, a clear vision that men should have clear vision because especially when you're going through these things and fighting for something, you should have a clear vision of what you're fighting. Virtues for. of man. Virtues. Thank you. <laughs> this is why I shouldn't listen. I forget the, the little things like this, but the virtue is clear vision um, and that we should have goals. We should have vision, uh, especially when it comes to those trying times. Um, Cause if we don't, a lot of times we can get off the path um, but when we get to those trying times, if we have a clear vision, clear goals, that we can we can stick to what those are and not quit so easily. Because a lot of times I think in our in our world today, when things get tough, people people give up, people quit. But the whole idea of man, if you have a clear vision, a clear goal, especially when it comes to like Christianity, like if you're doing the Father's work, there's not a lot of time for anything else, and uh, it's the the best work to do. Um, use the example of David. Uh, he was bored. He decided not to go to battle, and because he's bored, then he, he you know, he's uh, checking out a woman uh, across the road and kind of fell into some uh, problems there. Bathsheba. So Bathsheba. It's best friend's wife. Yep. Yep. And that's I I I like that chapter a lot too, and you know some of the things I liked about it is, well. You know, I like the clear vision thing because even in anything you do, of you need to have a clear vision. So if you're at work and you're wanting to solve a problem or you're working on some sort of effort, um, if you want to know where you have to know where you're going, you you have to have your group 
to know and understand everyone's in the same direction. You have to start with a clear vision. Um, and the same thing goes for you personally. The same thing goes for your family, your marriage, or whatever it may be of what's that clear vision. And, you know, he talks a little bit about how do you do that? How do you set up that clear vision? What are things to ask, questions to ask, um, and, and set some of those goals and values and, and visions for, for your family? Actually, uh, another great book that you recommended to me, Andrew, you big reader, you, was um my mom's gonna be like he reads what was it the program is that what it was yes yep the program yeah and these are um, marines um who i was going to say former marines but there's never a former marine they're just once a marine always a marine Mm -hmm. so these marines who um have this company this and it's called the program yeah and uh, they, they talk a lot about... It's like a first, leadership program. Yep, a leadership yeah. program. The very beginning's all about kind of core values and vision and things like that. And I, I think that part of the book's probably my favorite part of that book. Um, and I refer back, I've referred back to it in, in our workplace as well, of talking about what are our values, what are our visions. Um, but so the next thing in that chapter two that I really liked is he talked a little bit about personal growth. Mm-hmm. And... You know, you want to lead others. Well, focus on your personal growth and you'll bring other people along. Right. If you're getting better, other people will come with you. And so that I thought that was a cool thing, too, of, of working on personal growth. Absolutely. Um, and he, he wanted to talk a little bit about marriage and, uh, you know, when you're in a marriage, you c- you can't be so selfish, especially with a lot of things that yep. now you're bringing two people together and you got to set a clear vision together. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, when you're coming with a team, your team has to have that, that same vision or else you can have a lot of problems. Um, that's probably why a lot of times we see a lot of divorces too these days because it is difficult to come two people to come together because they're two people with two visions. Um, instead of coming together and saying, okay, let's work together, let's communicate on what we want to do. A lot of individuals with separate visions that unless it's communicated and that becomes one, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's a tough thing to do. Yep. So, so clear vision, virtue, <laughs> virtue. The sixth six. the virtue yep. of playing the man. All right, Justin, you want to take us through chapter seven? So the seventh virtue of manhood or playing the man is your moral is having moral courage. And the chapter is titled The Call of Duty, Call of Duty. And so some of the things in here um, that, you know, I just jotted down some notes. And uh, one of the lines in here was, don't wash your hands like Pilate, wash feet like Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to me that's saying, and, you know, Mark Batterson talks about it in the book, of you know Pilate kind of uh he didn't necessarily he he kind of washed his hands up he's like let's let the people decide right. whatever the people decide he kind of washed his hands of it um so it wasn't on him he put it on to someone else where instead of know, being the leader instead of being the leader right um and so the the other thing there is the washing feet like Jesus so what does that mean you know, serving others. Um, well, I my phone's getting all these messages, um, but 
throwing me off, guys. My cheese off. My cheese is <laughs> off. <laughs> Your right, cheese. I gotta get back in into this here. Washing feet like Jesus, serving others. Yes. So serving yeah. others. Um, man, I'm off. I'm off. I'm sorry. I'm on back. You're I'm good. back on. You're I'm good. back on, guys. I'm back on. Okay. So washing feet like Jesus, serving others, getting down and dirty in the dirt, in the muck. That was a lowly, that was a low thing to do, to wash feet. Was That was a dirty job. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a servant's wash feet. Well, Jesus was a servant. He was served others. And so that's one of the things. And, you know, it also made me think of, think of this, of who are you living for? So, um, you know, Pilate was living for what do the people want? What's their outside perception of me? Right. How are they going to look at me? And, you know, Mark Batterson, he always says this, and I really love this line of, you know, I want to live my life for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Yeah. And I love that, hearing that. And it reminds me of my favorite verse. that uh, My wife actually wrote this on a sticky note one day and put it on my Bible for me. And it's been there ever since. I look at it every time before I open it up. And it's just my reminder of Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So who am I serving? What? Who am I living for? And so that was kind of my big thing from the beginning of that chapter um, next thing, we will not repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words of bad people, but for the appalling silence of good people. So speak up. Yeah. This is what, that was a quote from Martin Luther King and one of his speeches of, you know, oftentimes we want to remove ourselves from things. If, if we remove ourselves from it, kind of like Pilate, you remove yourself from it. You're not you take the blame away for yourself or you want to, but not saying something when you should is just a, just as bad yep. as getting into whatever, you know, not saying something is a problem too. So be bold, be courageous. That's you know where that courage comes from mm-hmm. of s- saying things. And they also talk, we talked about it tonight in small group, uh, your moral compass. What is your moral compass? How do you know where to go? And it's, your moral compass comes from your conscience. And so, and Mark Batterson talks about your conscience needs constant updating, constant upgrading. How do you do that? It's through Scripture. If you read the Word of God, you're continuously doing that, then you continue to know the truths. And the more that's in your mind and in your conscience, then as these paths or opportunities or things that get in your way come your moral compass is on because your conscience is on because you're filled with the scriptures you know the truth the truth i tell the teens all the time i say hey you guys need to be in the word Um, you guys even need to question what i say i want you to go home and look up the things that i'm talking about and question it and because the thing is in today's world you're all going to be told a bunch of stuff but if you're grounded in the word you'll know whether something's off or not because if you don't know, then if someone gets up and just says something good, it's easy to buy into that. But, man, if, you d- if you're not grounded in this, like what we say is truth, man, you could be swayed anywhere. Yep. Yep. And that's, you know, along with that, people saying things that are good. You know, the world wants to sell us all this good stuff 
or what they what it claims to be good, but what is the truth? So, you know, Romans twelve two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so that was part of this chapter two. And, you know, the very last few things are, uh, you know, this moral courage is confessing. So what are your problems? What are your sins? Are you being honest about them? Are you confessing them? And, you know, confess them to God, confess them to uh, someone that you trust very closely. Uh, confess it to a sheet of paper. Um, you know, Mark Batterson talks about write yourself a letter of all of the things you truly need to confess. You know, because many of us say, you know, God, I'm sorry for all of the things that I've done. Well, that's pretty vague. Um, not that I don't know how it works specifically. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a super biblically sound person to know like what works what's not what's right what's wrong how detailed do you need to be but in my mind you know if i'm sitting down and i'm writing out everything that i'm truly thinking about truly focused on that i truly need forgiveness for Mm -hmm. then you know it makes it more personal it makes it more real it makes it more specific yeah um and you know he even talked you know burn your letter when you're done whatever it is um but you know, stuff like that. I think that's good things to do. And then the last one, play offense. Um, I love that. Too many times I think, you know, we, we say we're going to – we want to play defense. Well, a defensive position sets you up to lose. You know, how many times in a football game do people – they'll get into that prevent defense and then they let someone back into the game. Yeah. And playing you know, too conservative. Yeah, playing too conservative. And that's kind of the same thing with our lives. So let's play offense. Let's get into it. Let's be reading. Let's be uh, talking with others. Let's be um, listening, going to church. Let's be doing all things that are positive. Yeah. What, what are those things? Doing good works, um, reading, praying. All those things are offensive tactics that we need to be doing so we stay up on offense you know i want to score we want to score yeah so that's good stuff man sorry i'm a little long-winded you, you unpack <laughs> the you enough. unpack the ch- uh, whole chapter for i us. know i can't i'm sorry i can't <laughs> i can't just give one or two things it's my i like it all i like i it. guess that's my problem is i like <laughs> i like it all every section i read i'm like oh i like that and i make a note but that's where we differ. I just jot down a couple of things like I like these two things. I'm going to talk about well, these two things. That's the difference between listening and reading, though. That's true. You know, if I was listening to it, then I would probably only have a, a handful of things that, oh, I really want to remember that. But when I read it and I highlight it and I write it down, I got it all. There you go. Sorry. You're good, man. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps us up for this episode of the Manly Things podcast. Yes. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Whatever the terminology is. Friend us on Facebook. Friend us on Facebook. <laughs> and please share it out. If there's someone who you think would be interested in listening, share it out. Let them know. Our last podcast was on tools. Our next two will be tool related yeah. in some way, shape, or form. We've got some good ideas. And uh, check out some of the posts that we're going to be putting up 
of some of the tools that we like that we use or that we wish we could use that someone else owns that we borrow from time to time, whatever <laughs> it may afford. be, things that I cannot afford at the time. <laughs> but uh, please uh, check us out, man. Yeah. And Seth, thank you for coming on. Like I said, I think it'd be cool to just have a reoccurring uh, I, well, we'll come up with a cool name for it, like Minute with Seth or like Monthly Call-In or something. The yeah. Seth Segment. <laughs> Seth Segment. Yeah. The Montana. Montana Minute. Montana, Montana Minute. Montana, Minute. <laughs> Montana <laughs> Cowboy Minute. Yeah, because, I mean, as we're sitting here, I just keep thinking of more stories. There's stuff that I could have talked about <laughs> so we can make that Montana Minute happen. We'll do it. We'll do it we'll for do sure. It. All right. Well, this has been the Manly Things Podcast. Remember to always stay manly. Stay manly.